politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here at Blaze Media, independent, truly independent of any group think. And that is why you guys keep coming back, keep coming back for more to get the truth. Well, it is Tuesday, October 6th. Now, I don't know why I remember this, but October 6th was the date in uh, 1961 that President Kennedy warned Americans that they need to start building bomb shelters. And I was thinking, like, you know, at least back then, the threat was commensurate to what they were calling for. I mean, they really were scared of what the Soviets were going to do and the fallout from nuclear warfare. Today, we're asking people to build bomb shelters all over for something that we now know pretty much has the fatality rate of the flu, albeit it it will spread to more people, so it will have more deaths. But on the other hand, as we've noted, and we're going to continue to provide data for that, this, it's going to clean out those who would die anyway from respiratory viruses this year and maybe over a three-year window. So, you know, you look in totality, it's not nothing, but it is not a thousand times greater than what it is, which is what they're making it out to be. Now, I want to play for you the president's message last evening when he got out of the hospital. Take a listen. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved. And the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. Folks, this is the president we needed all along. This is the steady hand we needed all along. Be smart about it. Be informative. Talk about it. Talk about the peculiar, uh, the, the, the particular uh, particularities. Talk about the individual data points that we have that Scott Atlas is giving him. But at the same time, let the American people know that there is no reason why this should destroy their lives. This has been the frustration I've had with the president all along. If he were 100% a doofus, I'd be like, yeah, you know, there's nothing you can do. But it's so tantalizing because he does have good qualities and he really does have the ability to fight and he has the desire to really follow our opinion on a lot of issues. And you see it comes out. But then it's just like between the personnel and policies, it just and the personal flaws, it just kind of gets away from us. We, we, we saw this with the debate where he had so many great opportunities against Biden and he just kind of stepped on his own victory. And, you know, whatever you believe with the polls, wherever he was, clearly it didn't help him. Um, Steve Dace on Facebook has a great analysis out on the state of the race, which I think is is good. Trump is clearly behind, but I agree with Steve that the race is very fluid given the dynamic. And whereas with a typical race in past years, you'd say the guy's goose is cooked at this point. Here, I wouldn't count him out. But, you know, again, you do have to prepare for, for him losing. I mean, that is definitely a very strong possibility. And, you know, this is really the thing with everyone looking forward to the vice presidential debate. 
I mean, Mike Pence is the man who brought upon us at a federal level the panic porn, this stupid task force, the mask wearing, and all this garbage and tyranny that has killed more people than it has saved. Well, really saved nobody. But it's killed more people than even the virus killed in, in many areas. Really most areas except for New York, New Jersey, places like that. And that's just what's so frustrating. I want to get back to the virus. We're going to have a special guest on to talk about kind of a deep discussion about masks and data and the efficacy of masks, what we've seen. But I just want to mention one other story first about this frustrating nature of the, you know, this this tenure of President Trump. There's a story out of the Chicago Sun-Times. Over 60% in Chicago seeking early prison release under Trump's First Step Act go free. The American Civil Liberties Union and President Trump don't agree on a lot, but in 2018, Trump signed the law called the First Step Act that had the backing of a broad range of supporters, including ACLU, Republicans, Democrats, Kanye West, and uh, other people. The law gives prisoners convicted of federal crimes a chance to get their time beyond burns shortened. Um, in Chicago, hundreds of prisoners, including some of the nation's most notorious criminals, are using the law to try to get out of prison. And their odds of getting out are good, a Chicago Sun-Times examination of 200 of those cases has found. Judges have approved more than 60% of the requests they've ruled on, court records show, often over the objection of prosecutors. They so far have granted sentence reductions in 75 of the 200 cases, 45 requests were denied. The the rest are awaiting a ruling. Five men serving life sentences have been sprung, including James Yates, convicted in 1998 in a sensational drug case against the gangster's disciples, a notorious Chicago street gang. I mean, folks... This is what this is like the two presidencies. On the one hand, Trump is obsessed with talking about Democrat run cities in Chicago. He's obsessed with Chicago as he should be because of all the violence. And then he, more than anyone, spearheads the effort to let go hundreds of the most violent career criminals. Gangsters. Believe me, you don't get those sentences for nothing. These are the type of people, it's much more than drugs. They're big gang leaders, they're involved in everything. Those are the people spawning most of the shootings in Chicago. In April, over the objections, over over prosecution objections, U.S. District Judge Elaine Bucklow cut Yates' life sentence to time served. Um, Three of his co-defendants also won their freedom. And Larry Hoover, co-founder and former chairman of the Gangster Disciples, has a hearing set next month on whether he'll get a break on his life sentence. So there we go. Folks, remember I warned you at the time a couple years ago when this was percolating in Congress, I said, you know, all these guys are claiming, oh, a judge, they have to go before a judge. It's not jailbreak. Remember that it's not jailbreak, it's prison reform. So everyone, I literally spoke to Republican congressmen, some conservative ones on the House Judiciary Committee. They thought this was like some sort of a prison reform, like like the food and the cots in the prison. Uh, They'll allow faith-based initiatives in there. That's what they kept telling me. I was like, no, it's an early release bill, you idiot. And then some are like, well, the judges, they still have to go before a judge. Yeah, right. Yeah, the judges are going to let them go. So this is where we are. This is where we are. One of these guys was the unquestioned leader of a gang that was responsible for a murder rate that you know was over double the unacceptable murder rate we have today. He was the acknowledged top leader of a gang that sold in excess of $100 million in drugs. All to get some stupid talking point about winning an election, which he won't win on this. And it's a long, it's a very long article. 
It's very well done. Kudos to the Chicago Sun-Times for doing it. But you get my frustration. I mean, I really badly don't want Trump to lose and I want Biden to win. But at the end of the day, I am, and I think most of you are, independent conservatives. And I think there's some things we won't be sorry to see go just because I think at least with Biden, and I don't want it, but I mean, we do have to prepare for it. We will finally have a united front to a certain extent pushing back against this garbage rather than being co-opted by it. So at least in some of these red states, we could start to get a pushback. Remember, it was was Mike Pence and his ilk that really pushed the mask stuff. If Biden becomes the face of it, at least there will be parts of the country that will start rejecting it. So just, again, something to think about at this juncture. There's one other story I wanted to share with you before we get to our guest. I want to get getting back again to um, the virus. This is from RT.com. Over half of coronavirus infections revealed this summer by one of Belgium's biggest labs were old and no longer contagious, but were still reported as new cases local media discovered. Belgian daily newspaper Het La, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, examined the tests carried out by AZ Delta, one of the largest labs in the country, and made a stunning discovery. Almost half of all positive cases reported throughout June, July, and August were actually people with an old infection. The problem, it turns out, lies in the PCR COVID-19 tests. The paper reports the scientific data reveals virus particles can be detected up to 83 days after the actual infection. Could you imagine that? They were forced to be quarantined. Now, what they don't talk about, which is much more tragic, is pregnant mothers coming in for labor and delivery that test positive from a virus they had a month or two ago. And they have their baby taken away from them. But let me go on. They continue here. Belgian experts sounded the alarm in mid-July when coronavirus numbers spiked after relief in June and even insisted that the second wave had already begun. Quote, we may have had to deal with old infections largely in the summer months, the lab's clinical biologist Frederick von Huyck told the paper. The revelation comes as countries look to reintroduce restrictions to curb the spread of the virus. So like we're making a religion out of a test that in this major lab, half of them were garbage. Half of them were picking up a freaking vaccine. It's the equivalent of me injecting you with a vaccine of coronavirus and then shoving that stupid thing up your nose and saying, oh, look. I detected an infection. We're going to contact trace you and isolate you and take away your baby. I mean, folks, you know, my colleague Steve Days made a really salient point. That throughout our lifetimes, we've seen all these insidious and really appalling comparisons to Hitler. Everyone's a Hitler. Everyone's a Nazi. But you know what? This is the time where it's actually appropriate. I mean, the totalitarianism is unbelievable. You have in New York City, the the, the mayor and the governor Cuomo out there yesterday, if those Orthodox Jews don't get their act together, we're going to shut down your synagogues. I mean, just replace those words for the, you know, the word Jew for black. (laughs) Hey, in those black neighborhoods, um, hey, you know, we're going to shut you down. I mean... Stuff that we would have never thought about a couple of months ago, you can get away with. But now you could shout COVID in a crowded theater with a noun and a verb attached to it, preferably an adverb, and you could do whatever the hell you want. We have no human rights. And the reason why I focus on that, because we already know that constitutional rights don't apply. But the one thing they're very into is like equal treatment. Like you can't single out one group. It's okay to take away constitutional rights as long as you do it evenly. That, that's basically the prevailing thought in our corrupt system. But here, you're even able to single out groups as long as it's not certain ones that are particularly uh, um, coddled by the media. So, I mean, th- this is where we're at. Full tyranny. 
that was unimaginable before a couple of months ago. All for a freaking test that picks up dead cells. Now, I have so many more stories here on crime, on the virus, and some of it maybe we'll get to at the back end of our guest. Maybe some of that we'll have to save till later in the week. Who knows? By then, all of my papers in my stack are going to pile up. But I wanted to get to our special guest. To me, in many respects, the mask issue is the biggest part of this totalitarianism that we're talking about. When it started out, a lot of my colleagues were like, Daniel, it's a losing battle. It makes people feel good. Um, Trump really blew the messaging on it. We didn't have much pushback at the beginning when we needed it. And even a lot of conservatives are buying into it. It's just not worth it. Let's focus on other things. And I said, you know, you can't. That, that's a big freaking deal to say that you can never show your face in public. Normally, again, you can't breathe free air. No, that's number one. Number two, um, they, they, they started on kids and the schools for seven hours a day. It's not like saying, oh, okay, you got to go to a store is one thing, but to sit in, in school. And in many states, they took it down to the age of two. So, I mean, this is something you can't ignore. Number three, this is something that has a huge psychological factor because the reason they're so into it is, number one, it's their yellow star. It is their symbol of control over you and your life. It's also a constant reminder of fear and panic, meaning we're trying to say, look, you know, we're proving it's it's really like a pandemic flu for most people, anyone especially who would wind up going out anyway. It's not really much of a problem for um, it's, it's subclinical for almost everyone. For for the majority of people, it's really literally a nothing burger less than the typical uh, colds and flus you get over the course of uh, one to three years. But when you go outside and everyone looks like they're headed in a surgical room, well, that gives off a different aura. It's, a, it's very hard to say that the virus is not unprecedented if we have a constant demon, demonstration and exemplifying of an environment that is very abnormal and very much um, inclined to make people feel like we're in a panic mode. So this is a very important issue. And... It's not like, hey, you know, it's a couple months, just let it go. No, I mean, they have made it very clear. We read yesterday from Canada's health director, said it's going to be at least two to three years, which, look, if they're saying that now, that means forever, indefinitely. And I think it's becoming very clear. My kids, they can't go anywhere. We looked at this trampoline place, a go-karting place, outdoors, you're in your own car. They're very clear. I don't want to be shut down. I don't want to be shut down. So everyone's enforcing it on each other, and it's spiraled out of control. Now, the problem is that most conversations about the efficacy of masks revolve around these boring clinical studies or lack thereof. Sometimes they're just these lab studies where they blow particles through it. And people's eyes gloss over, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it worked, it doesn't work, this study says this, this study says that. But there's something better than an academic study. There's the real life. We have had this in place for four to six months in most places, cities, states, countries. So the jury's in. And this is... the the most counterintuitive, bizarre debate I've ever seen in my entire life. Because the more they mandate it, the more they turn around and look you in the eye as if we don't have the mandate. And they're like, oh my gosh, cases are spreading. We need, you better wear your mask. I'm like, you, you idiot, we've been wearing the mask and it's spreading. Like, So there's one thing if they say, look, we're going to stick with this. We're not going to panic. The masks are great. I think they're working. We're going to power along, and that's it. We're not going to do anything more. All right, so I could tolerate that. Or if they're like, oh, my God, it's spreading, and they panic, and therefore we need to shut the schools, but, yeah, kind of, I guess the mess really didn't help, so we're out with that. But they have it both ways. So what we're finding is that in, in city after city and state after state and country after country, where they've had this in place forever, it spread like wildfire. It didn't help. And like, 
you know, they're not revisiting the issue. So where do we where do we head from here? How do we break through this garbage? How do we break through it? With us today is really a dear friend of mine. Um, and I've I've come to know a lot of great people through this group, Rational Ground. Now you gotta check out rationalground.com. Great articles, great charts, um, great analysis. Ian Miller is one of the writers there. He's part of our Rational Ground group. A lot of you are, have been asking me, hey, you know, where do I get good information? Who's a good follow on Twitter? If you are not following Ian Miller on Twitter, you are not doing this right. So it's at Ian, I-A-N-M-S-C. Um, we'll find out what that stands for in a moment. But Ian Miller has been the man behind the mask charts. So if you see a mask chart, um, a line graph floating around the internet showing the timing of mask mandates and their efficacy. It likely comes from him. Um, at rationalground.com, you could see a collection of all of his charts. It will literally change the way you think about this because, again, this is pure reality. This is what we are living in. This is not some dry academic study. We are simulating what we want to do. Well, I want to do a universal civilian mandate. Well, they're not wearing it right. Uh, if you do it in a lab, it would work. Well, that's what we're debating over a real-life mandate, and it's not working. All right, Ian, I spoke enough. You take it from there. Um, first of all, thanks for joining us. So could you tell us, just give, give us a synopsis, an overview of the general trend line that you have seen with regard to the efficacy of mask wearing? Yeah, um, what kind of got me started on this was, you know, I live in Los Angeles and L.A. We've, we were one of the first areas to require masks. And, uh, you know, I, anecdotally, I can tell you everybody has been wearing them, especially inside, which is the only place that could conceivably matter, uh, since April, since early April. And, you know, I noticed pretty pretty early on that LA had some pretty bad rates. You know, we had bad bad rates by cases, we had bad rates by you know, deaths per million, all those kind of metrics. And it kind of got me looking at this going, well, <laughs> if it's not working here, is it working anywhere else? And, you know, this all this data of the charts as you referenced, you know, this is all publicly available information. So I just went online, started looking up, you know, when does, when did certain areas mandate them? Has it made any difference? And I mean, it is remarkable between counties in the United States, between states across the United States, between countries that there just doesn't seem to be any correlation between you mandate masks, people start wearing masks and two weeks later, cases go to zero. You know, it just doesn't happen anywhere, anywhere that I've looked at in the world. You know, there might be a few areas just coincidentally where you see a change two weeks later, but almost exclusively, there's no real difference. Um, you know, and I, I had read a lot of the guidance. I've listened to the interviews with, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci with Redfield, and I've heard them saying this is the most important public health tool that we can, that we have to fight COVID. And, you know, obviously recently you said it's better than a vaccine, which is just insane, but um, you know, I, and I, you go, if that's the truth, it should be showing up somewhere and it just doesn't, you know, and that kind of got me looking. I was, and I looked up like where other areas have been using masks since April and you know, Miami state, this is another, it was almost exactly the same as Los Angeles mass since April, huge case rates, huge deaths per million rates happened months after masks were mandated. You know, it, it the trend is just based. And there are a few areas where they actually mandated masks after cases went down <laughs> And, you know, they get to take credit for that, too. As you say, it's uh, it's it, it, the master magic. It, it, sometimes it works retroactively. So so let's divide it up into two scenarios that because I've noticed two trend lines. So there's the places that had it very early on when they had no cases. OK, they had zero cases. Well, I shouldn't say zero, but they have very few cases, very few deaths. So it's not like kind of this middle ground where you could always say, well, it would have been this or that. It was literally bottomed out. There was nothing going on. And they had the mask mandate in place for weeks upon weeks, months even. And then out of nowhere, it just skyrocketed, which, which totally demonstrates that it's cyclical where it hits a place, it hits it where it doesn't, it doesn't. And once it plans on hitting it, clearly the mask isn't going to help. And then you have the cases that they didn't have it, they had a wave and they panicked. But I think what even our opponents, everyone agrees, is that 
the RO rate of spread almost always had already peaked by the time we even like realized the consequences. And then by the time we politically start implementing that, it's already on the down. And like, so we all know that whether it's New York and New Jersey in the Northeast and then areas in the South and the West, and now the upper Midwest, like Wisconsin, it tends to visit an area for six to eight weeks and saturate and then, you know, then there's subsequent times it could, you know, it's not full herd immunity, but it's like, you know, you're not going to, you're usually not going to get that again, but it will be a little trickles here and there, but it goes down, right? It's not forever. It saturates for like six to eight weeks. So whatever you do, you know, you throw a ball up, it's going to come down, right? Whatever happens, the virus is going to slow down and they're like, Hey, it's the mask that did it. So can you kind of go through some of the geography of where you're seeing examples of each? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's, that's exactly right. It, 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 I would say LA and Miami are the best example or some of the best examples of mass very early on, as you say, but when there were almost no cases, no deaths, I mean, early April. And, you know, when that was the time period, we were seeing stories from you know national news outlets, like California is a model for how to handle the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, and that, so they, we've had it here very early on and, you know, it didn't, the cases didn't start going up until kind of mid June. So you're talking over two months and it just, you know, it didn't matter. As you say, when it's your turn to get it, you get it. And there's not really anything you can do. Um, the, you see that in Miami the same way they started in, in early April. Um, the Philippines, they had a mask mandate very early on in April. And, you know, they didn't start seeing their huge kind of rise in cases until early July. But it just, you know, those are a couple examples where it started and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and then there's some areas, you know, Mississippi was one where, they had already peaked. <laughs> the cases had already peaked in, in mid-July. And they, again, like you say, they kind of panicked and they were like, what can we do? We have to show the people that we're trying something, we're yes. doing something. And so they, they mandated them in early August, you know, well after cases had already gone down. And then they get to say, see, the masks worked. <laughs> Although, Ian, I, I do have to say that I just want to tell for our audience, I do give Governor Tate Reeves credit. Everyone knows I don't really have much love for him. I think he's a rhino. But I, I do have to point it out that uh, while I disagree with everything he said and you know the way he did this, but at the very least, he is the first governor I've seen to let it expire. At least show that you are not a king, right? That demonstrate to some point why this is somewhat unprecedented. So this is a tough time. I think it works. It doesn't, but in your mind, it does. Okay. But, but this notion that you could just keep it going on forever. So I didn't mean to interrupt there, but could you go on to explain your Israel Sweden chart? <laughs> yeah. Um, Israel is is a, is a good example of kind of the other side where they they they've been wearing masks for a long time. Cases were really low, and uh, so look, masks work. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, kind of mid to late July, everything exploded. And you know, and then they've gone into a second lockdown. They've had curfews. They shut down a ton of businesses in mid July. Um, and Sweden, you know, I, I'm not going to thank God for Sweden. They're always the kind of counterfactual. People will say, "What would you don't know what it would have been if we didn't wear masks?" And you can say, "Well, we kind of do actually, because <laughs> Sweden has never worn masks." And you know, just by the, by case rate per million, it's it's a pretty stark contrast because Sweden, you know, the the cases were a little higher than Israel for about a couple months, and that's the time period when everyone's saying Sweden was the experiment that yep. failed. Then all of a sudden, about you know mid July, it just completely flips. Where yep. Sweden has kind of already gone through most of their turn to get the virus, and so their rates are incredibly low. I mean, much lower than almost anywhere in the United States. A lot of areas across the world, and Israel kind of had to go through it all at once. And so there, you know, the, the graph just shoots off with Israel going going up. And you know, I haven't updated in a few days, but when I made this chart, it was up near 725 cases per million you know, uh, the seven day average and Sweden was around 10 or 20. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy difference. Um, and so I thought that was a really good one. And again, you know, Israel's not a huge country. It's like eight and a half million people. Sweden's actually got more people. Um, yep. you know, I know Stockholm's a very dense city and people always talk about density, but Stockholm's very dense and obviously Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are dense. Um, but it's, it's a fairly decent comparison and it's just, you know, the results kind of speak for themselves. 
Yep. They, they, and they both have, they are actually both somewhat thin countries. Um, they're thin countries. They are healthy countries, very nice life expectancy. Although one thing interesting, I don't know if you've considered this, Ian, and I'm literally just thinking of this on the spot. Israel is a very young country. I I, I want to say their median age is 29. It's very young. And Sweden, isn't Sweden like 40 or something? It's it's old. It's much more. Yes, I have actually I have actually looked this up. Uh, and, huh. and it is Israel, I think, was 31. And mm-hmm. uh, Sweden was 41. Something like 41, wow. 42. Um, yeah, so it is a huge difference. That That's a huge difference. Um, so you'd think Sweden would be doing significantly worse. And, you know, I mean, I think they have had a higher rate of deaths per million, but you could just as easily explain that by the average age difference. You know, that's that's yep. a huge factor. In and Israel's rapidly out. catching up because, it, I mean, in, in retrospect, we now know what happened. Before, it was like, hey, maybe Israel did a great job with their... No, now in retrospect, it's become clear that it just, they didn't have their turn yet. I mean, <laughs> the virus, you know, it's just, it, it just like in Wisconsin, everyone's going crazy about Wisconsin. Well, gee, I mean, they had months upon months upon months without any restrictions because of the Supreme court there. And they had an election held in person that even the CDC wrote a whole paper on that. It didn't do anything to them. All right. According to the other side, it should have like nailed them within a few weeks and no, because it just wasn't going to percolate no matter what you do. And now, no matter what you do the other way, it's not going to not percolate. Everyone's going to get their six to eight weeks of main stuff. And then, you know, a certain amount of time of just kind of like filling in the gaps of people that, that are still uh, uninfected and that could get it. But they're all going to get it. Um, what I wanted to add, and maybe you want to take a look at the other Scandinavian countries, I, a point that I think not enough people are making is this. So the other side comes back at Sweden. And they're like, well, um, OK, Daniel, you're right. They did better than the U.S. and a lot of the, uh, the bigger European countries. But there's some sort of dark matter, unexplained reason that the Nordic countries seem to be better off. So relative to the other Nordic countries, they seem to do worse. Now, let's just put aside the fact that there's about four to five important factors that if you understand them, Sweden is much closer in line with Finland and Norway. You know, you mentioned one, the population density of Stockholm. There's the immigrant population. There's the way they count the deaths. There's the prior flu seasons. If you look at the excess deaths, they really don't have any to speak of, honestly. Um, They're mainly people that were in their 80s that either didn't die of it or if they did, they were going to die anyway that year. You know, that type of thing. But putting all that discussion aside, we're talking about masks. They're missing the point. You look at the New York Times data, and while there might be somewhat of a difference in terms of lockdowns, although not that much, by the way, in terms of mask wearing, the other Nordic countries are just as averse to mask wearing as Sweden is. So in Norway, they have an excellent, excellent result that they're trying to play against Sweden. But if anything, doesn't that prove our point? They have no masks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, that's absolutely right. Um, it, it, and that's con- conveniently ignored <laughs> a lot of the time because uh, it just doesn't it doesn't fit the narrative. Um, and, you know, I, I completely agree. I will. I have not looked at Norway's case rate per million and i should do i will do that and and kind of create a chart and it'll be uh, hopefully it'll be illuminating but um I, I just keep coming back to you know we've been told that this is the single most important public health tool and you know every major media story is the first thing they mention is was this person wearing a mask you know we i i did a little thing a couple of weeks ago when the missouri governor tested positive and it was a missouri governor who refuses to ma- mandate masks gets coronavirus you know and then the virginia governor who mandated masks and has been very adamant about wearing them everywhere when he tests positive, no mention of the fact that his state has a mask mandate. So he's also a know, doctor. It, 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 he's a doctor, right. a medical professional. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and the point is basically just that it's, if we're told that it's this important, it is the most single, most important thing we can do. How do you explain Sweden? And there's no answer to that. There's just a deflection. Um, you know, how do you, like you said, how do you explain Norway? Um, you know, outside of it just being, it just doesn't work very well. I, I I haven't seen a good explanation. No one's given one to me yet. Now, now, now the other thing is they they, they all they all uh, propagate stuff about uh, the Pacific Rim and uh, you know like the Far East Asian countries 
oh, they're they're the epitome, they're the leaders of mask wearing in the world, and look at their great result. But isn't it true from your data that what you actually see is, yeah, they had universal, obsessive, strict mask wearing, very much trained at doing it too for a long period of time, and then later on in many of these countries it started spreading. Now, yes, they don't have too many deaths from it, but that's clearly an enduring universal factor in the Pacific Rim, probably, we believe, due to inherent partial immunity from coronaviruses that has nothing to do with sp- stopping the spread, right? It, it, was, it, it did spread there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, there was a, a recent study that came out about Japan's you know, antibody prevalence where they had in some populations, it was over 40%. So, you know, you're, you're seeing it. <laughs> it's still spread there regardless of the mask. You know, in the <laughs> Philippines... They, like I said, they were, they had the mask very, very early on. The New York Times did a survey and said they were the highest rate of mask wearing of anywhere in the world. And they had a huge growth rate months after they mandated masks. You know, Japan had cases went up. And, you know, I, I mean, I think this is a large part of why it's been, it's become the single most important public health tool is that in early April, you know, the CDC, a lot of these scientific bodies saw the, what they thought was the perceived success of the, the Asian countries. And they thought it must be because of masks. You know, that's the only difference. And so they they kind of started looking for any justification they could find to make it seem like masks were that important because they thought this is what's working. Um, and they thought, well, they're all wearing, they must all be wearing them in Asia. So therefore, if we all wear them here, you know, Redfield, we can beat it in four, eight, six, 10, 12, 20, whatever weeks, however many weeks. Um, and, but yeah, it, it doesn't bear out. The data, this data just doesn't bear it out. Um, and and I think again, it's I, I watched this, an interview with the, one of the Swedish guys, Johan Gesicki, and he said, you know, we're looking at this in May or April. Talk to me in a year. <laughs> you know, we, I think there's this there's this rush to judgment to figure out. Well, somebody did this right. That means that they got it right. And he's like, well, this is a long game. Talk to me in a year. And you know, I think we're seeing that play out with a lot of the Asian countries. Yeah, it's like counting Tim Tebow back out in his heyday of comebacks, you know, after the first half of the game. And and there's your Israel and Sweden dichotomy where they literally, I mean, Sweden is crushing them now. And it, it wasn't like that to begin with, because, again, it's, it's all I, I think the upshot of what we're talking about is this all speaks to natural phenomenon. And, and, and that's what we're seeing. It's too it's too mechanical. It, it, it doesn't it can't be human because again we're seeing everywhere where it just like when it saturates it saturates it's like there's nothing you can do to stop it and when it doesn't saturate there's almost nothing you can do to induce it it just it's like dead in in, in a given area and um and it, and it travels we don't know why it does everything it does we don't know why the flu does everything it does but we never bother to obsess about it um i want to go through just in the remaining time some of the myths that that are the common myths that are being used to give excuses. So one of the things I'm starting to see is that they can't ignore the data that people like you are putting out. It's like, it's becoming pretty obvious Um, partly because they themselves are the ones who are panicking about the spread. So, you know, you can't tell me it works. So, but, but then they're like, but putting aside Redfield's comment, I mean, cause there he said, it's like a vaccine It's better than a vaccine, but you know, he's kind of, well, you know, a special case. Um, you know, he's he's unique. Uh, um, he he didn't do too well in school, but I, I think <laughs> you know what what some others on their side will tell you. And I'm I'm getting this on Twitter is like, well, Daniel, I never said it's a, it's it's not a full proof. It's not like it blocks it 100. percent But but like you know, even if it's 25, 30, 40 percent efficacy, I mean, that really you know, slows down the spread that saves lives. What's your answer to that? If you're trying to change people's lives, which is essentially what masks are doing, um, you have to show you have to give me a real number. You know, you, you got to show me what, how effective is this actually going to be. And, uh, you know, Norway did a the Institute of Public Health in Norway did a, a kind of a thought experiment, essentially, where they said if masks are 40 percent efficient, which I think that might even be high. You know, if you have a fairly low prevalence in your region and masks are 40% efficient, you need to have 200,000 people wearing masks to prevent one infection per week. Not per day, per week. And, you know, we have over 7 million confirmed or, you know, at least PCR confirmed infections or probable infections in the United States. So one infection per week over the past, whatever many 20 weeks it's been. So 20 cases out of over 7 million we saved in in certain areas. I mean, it's, the num- nobody's really put a number to it. And, and that's, 
I think what kind of lets them get away with this is that always the, this unprovable counterfactual of, well, you don't know how much worse it would have been. Um, and, you know, I, I looked at this in Southern California because just, I, it was something I had some personal experience with where San Diego County and Orange County, people here always say, oh, well, no one, no one's wearing masks down there because those are, it's not LA, LA, everybody's actually listening. So you'd think, well, the rates would be much better here in LA then because everybody says compliance is so important. Mandates don't matter if people aren't actually wearing them. So LA mandated masks in early April, San Diego mandated them in early May. Orange County actually tried to push back and said, you don't have to wear them at all. And then the state stepped in and said, no, everybody has to. And that was in late June. So you'd think, oh, Orange County and San Diego must be doing much worse because they waited so much longer. Masks, even if it, it, you know more people are wearing them, they're more efficient they're going to be. And they all had almost exactly the same curve, you know, in different, slightly different rates, but they peaked at exactly the same time. So like you say, it's just, it's when it's your turn to get it, it's your turn to get it. Um, you know, I don't, I've, I've looked and I've read the studies that the CDC posted and, you know, they even say you have to have high thread count cotton, otherwise the efficiency drops. And that's in the CDC's justification. You know, you have to have proper fit. Otherwise you lose a 60% reduction in yep. efficiency if it's not properly fitted. So, so you're, you're making another point. You're making a sub point, but it's very important that even if you want to get all religious about this, the religion would only apply to, I mean, really an N95, um, but, but uh, you know, you say at least a surgical mask up, but the majority of people I see, and I, I understand it, I don't blame them, you know, for comfort, they're using cloth masks. So number one, they're cloth. <laughs> um, and number two... Uh, I mean, I mean, the pores is literally like putting a, a fly in a jail cell um, with it, the given how small the virons are. And then also they're reused. And, and, and this is what I'm wondering now. You and I are not jerks like the other side. So we're not going to do the same thing they do and say, you know, correlation is causation. And we're not going to say, oh, it spreads everywhere where there's a mask. But I really am starting to wonder if it is if it is being responsible for more spread. This is not my words. The World Health Organization in 2009 during H1N1, when you know just people on an individual level were kind of you know getting into that fed, maybe a couple people here and there, and they warned they warned the following that using a mask incorrectly, however, may actually increase the risk of transmission rather than reduce it, and that's why they say you never want to touch it. That Whenever you touch a used mask, you have to clean your hands and rub it with soap and water, alcohol-based hand rub, uh, replace mask with a new clean one as soon as it becomes damp or humid, do not reuse single-use mask, discard single-use mask after each uh, use and dispose of them immediately and then wash your hands. I mean, this was their guidance. This was enduring academic research and standard operating procedures in the medical and scientific world for decades that doesn't just go out the window. So. Like, I'm not trying to be cute and say, oh, no, hey, your thing actually spreads it more. Like, I really wonder whatever happened to that. Yeah, no, and and that's absolutely right. And, you know, we've seen this in a lot of different ways, but they basically took what was established science for 30, 40, 50 years and threw it out the window in two weeks. <laughs> and, you know, I, I again, I, I'll agree with you. I don't know that you can say, oh, for sure, masks have made it worse, but they definitely haven't made it better. And there is a lot of correlation to masks being used in cases going up. And that again, doesn't mean causation, but no. I, I think, but, but we've definitely a, seen that. A, we've definitely seen it. Yeah. Our buddies in Tennessee, a rational ground. Uh, we've seen it from Kansas that if you look at a County by County analysis, you actually find the correlation the other way. Now, they did adjust for population, but to be fair, there's there's per capita and then there's density. So the part of the problem is that I think what just makes it hard to study is that naturally the more politically liberal areas are going to be the urban areas and the urban areas are clearly more dense. And I think epidemiologically what we see is if you have an urban area versus a non-urban area, let's say the urban area is three times as many people, all things equal, they're not just going to have three times as many cases. They'll have, let me just make up a number, five, six times as many, meaning it's a uh, population density is a multiplying factor. So I'm not going to pin it on them, but I do think it's important to realize, like you pointed out, like a lot of these guys took a look at states and they and they took a look at who was governor. Oh, that's a Republican governor. So oh, now they're getting cases. So they didn't wear a mask. But w w the big lie is like with Florida, 
yeah, DeSantis didn't mandate it, but he didn't at least initially um, stop uh, the counties from doing it. So Miami had the mandate in when? Since like April? Yeah, it was April 9th. April 9th. Wow. I mean, that's before we had it here in Baltimore. And um, and they they that was the epicenter of Florida. Now, you would expect it to be. But but again, you don't see any advocacy. Same thing with Texas. Oh, Daniel, that's a Texas. Uh, uh, that's a Republican state. Well, as we're painfully aware of, not really. I mean, it's turning really blue. Every city, not just major, but even like the midsize cities are really turning blue. They're very blue. They're as blue as where I live in Maryland. Um, they had it in place for a while. I know the RGV, which got slammed from the whole Mexico dynamic, they had it for a while. Very, very liberal Democrats in charge of those counties there. Um, so, I mean, you go around the map, all these areas, they've had it. They've had it for a while. They've had it before the spread. I was going to say, a lot of a lot of those local areas, I, I've noticed that they they don't want to take responsibility for anything. They're they're very much like I'm going to pass the buck up the food chain. So they see their responsibility, and a lot of the rational ground people that have talked to us locally, they see their responsibility as just like we're going to listen to the big guy, like the big experts. That's what our job is. We're just going to listen to the experts. So like you say, even in areas that you think would be pushing back harder, a lot of times they're not because these local officials are too scared to buck the narrative. You know, they're too scared to try to do something different. They, they just they want to pass the responsibility up, like. Well, look, Dr. Redfield said it, Fauci said it, so we're going to do what they say. Yep, yep. And it's to- it's total bullcrap. It really is because um, much to our chagrin, much to my chagrin, the compliance is utterly insane. It's unfathomable. I would have never thought it. But, I mean, we, we, we have had mask wearing, I guess, since maybe late April here. I have not seen a single human being in a single store of any type. That has not had a mask. I, I, I mean, I just have not seen it. It, it, it. Everyone is terrified of the peer pressure. It's full compliance. You have to go out to downright very rural places that I've noticed. Because when I went on a road trip, like I was very disappointed. I, I thought, hey, okay, at least we'll, you know, get away from this. I mean, you really have to go to tiny places in backwater areas where maybe some people don't wear it. Um, and and then, you know, even a lot of Republican counties, they're scared or they're bought into it. And then even where they're not, all of the big stores that are going to have a lot of people, they just at a private company, corporate level, they mandated. I mean, that's in all 50 states. I mean, Walmart, um, Target, uh, Food Lion, places like that. I mean, my understanding is it's everywhere now um, and it has been for quite a while. So, I mean, they were caught red handed. Um what, so there's a couple other things they're they're doing. Could, I, for the life of me, I don't understand this business of you're protecting me. It's your mask. So, like what I always say is, if you want to wear a mask, so awesome. It, it it's greater than a vaccine. You you should. I mean, go go wear it. You're you're great. Why do you have to harass me if I want to die? If I'm stupid? If I want to be stupid and not get Redfield's uh, magic vaccine? So that's my problem. So they have this convoluted way of thinking that somehow it it it, it blocks the infector from spewing it out. But somehow once it's out, my mask won't block it from getting in. And and Ian, could you explain to me what I don't understand is. If anything, to me, physics dictates the opposite, that, you know, if I'm infected and I'm the wearer, you know, I'm, I'm the one who has it, so I'm the infector, so I am speaking very passionately now. I'm blowing, I'm coughing, I'm sneezing, I'm, I'm blowing into my mask that's right up against my face with a lot of velocity, yet, yet, they are telling me this thing works to contain it. So you mean to tell me if there are floating atomized virons with no velocity suspended, let's say indoors, you know, inside, and I and I'm wearing a mask, I come across it, it could get in. I, I just that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I, as you say, it's the, the fastest velocity for these droplets or these particles to be spreading is the, as you're speaking. They, you know, they lose velocity the second they leave your mouth, right? It, it just it decreases, and that's why they came up with the six feet, is that the droplets have dropped before six feet. That was the idea, anyway. Um, so I, I don't know how it's supposed to stop the particles when they're spreading the fastest and not stop it when they're spreading the slowest. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and if the filtering efficiency 
you know, this filtering efficiency of these cloth masks or the surgical masks is so high that it can block droplets. Why can't it block droplets? You know, why, why is it only blocking droplets when the person breathes them? That, that just doesn't make any sense. Um, and and I, I, like you said earlier, I completely agree. A lot of these things are done in, in lab conditions where people are speaking and they have a, a light that shows, look, well, look at all these droplets spreading if you don't have a mask and look at how it slightly drops on if you do this. And well, it's like, yeah, these guys are having it perfectly fitted. They're probably, like you said, they, they're not reusing it. They're, they might be washing their hands as they take it off and on, which no one is doing. Nobody does that. And, um, you know, I, one, of my, one of my favorite examples is really watching sports right now. If you watch these coaches that are sitting there on the sidelines, they are constantly touching and fiddling and adjusting <laughs> with it. And one of my favorite ones, I'm a big baseball fan. I'll watch baseball. And the managers will pull down the mask. Well, that defeats the entire purpose. You know, the, like you say, loud talking, spreading droplets more aggressively by by yelling, and they literally pull down their mask to yell at the, the players. It it just or or the best is when you start um in uh you know stimulating your saliva, aka when you go to a restaurant, you walk in. I'm a good person, so you have your you know Democrat bumper sticker on your face. And then, oh, now it's time to eat. I pull it down. I mean, it's like imagine yeah. a surgeon in the middle of surgery. Hey, I got to eat a minute Um, here. Like, like, I mean, this is what I don't understand because to me, it's inconceivable that it's not spreading it more simply because we know that. I mean, if it's not spreading like it's, you know, like we talked about, if it's a dead zone in a certain area and time, then it's nowhere. But if it really is percolating what we found is that it's everywhere. I mean, when it's like right now in Wisconsin, it's everywhere as it was in Florida and Texas, as it was in the Northeast before that it's, it's everywhere. So you're, if, if you take millions of people walking around with a conduit, literally a, a, a conduit for it, it's incons- inconceivable indoors. You're not going to have those particles on it. Um, and it's inconceivable that, that, the 90% of people who wear it in terms of pulling it out of their car and pocket, literally like pulling it out of their pocket, um, reused, it, it doesn't make any sense to me how you're not having more of a fomite problem with touching, which of course, you know, they're trying to de-emphasize now in order to, um, you know, talk about this. Uh, one other thing, um, I didn't realize how much time we'd spend, but this was just very enjoyable. One more thing there, there. I, I think the message again is is starting to get out. Like, dude, like we can't have it both ways. Like that, the world is ending and this is spreading, but masks work. So they're trying to say, and I've heard like I've heard this from a f- couple of these dudes. Well, it lowers the viral load. So like the partial efficacy is that on average you're getting a lower viral load. So that will explain why. Yeah, Daniel, it's still going to spread. But that's why the case fatality rates seem to be going down. Yeah, I, I don't think that that holds up in the in the numbers. And and I, I look at Southern California as a good example because you know San Diego, Orange County, they're very dense areas compared to the rest of the country. They're huge counties. You now San Diego County is the size of it's like the twenty seventh or twenty eighth largest state in the country. So these are not small areas. And L.A., which has required masks for much longer, has like double the rate of deaths per million, I think, in San Diego. It might even be triple, and I, I, you know, I'll have to check that, but it's it's roughly double or triple. And if the viral load wasn't impacting the results, why isn't it showing up? <laughs> you know, why isn't it showing up in the data? That's, that's like you say, you know, you have theoretical lab studies, but reality contradicts it. And we're seeing that with Southern California. You know, LA is, has some of the worst rates in the country and neighboring areas have much lower rates, much better rates than most of the country, despite a lot lower compliance. Um, and again, you know, Sweden is Sweden's the great counterexample too, because you know, Spain has required masks since since May and they've doubled down on it. They've had fines, they make everybody wear them in public places. They have a much higher rate of deaths than Sweden. So if the masks were limiting the viral load, where is it? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and also, I mean, it's quite obvious there's more enduring trends behind that because we're seeing it almost everywhere that the death rates are much lower as compared to the cases uh, versus when this started in March. And that's, it's not like in, in some places you're seeing it, some places not. It's across the board, even where you don't have mask wearing. It's it's across the board that whether it's, you know, the virus inherently attenuated, which which often really is the, 
microevolutionary way of understanding viruses. They they tend to do that, whether it's a fact of, um, you know that that it hit the people that were most likely to die from it first. Whether it's the treatments got better, at least once you get into the hospital. So the hospital fatality rate definitely went down. That's I think that's for sure due to the treatment. Unless um, a Chinese uh, WHO ventilator for his first choice uh, uh, usage, um, you know, it's not you're not seeing that younger as, cases, younger cases. You're not seeing that as the active ingredient and you're not seeing that geographically. And in fact, talk about a counterfactual um Ian, I'm, I'm thinking about this now, Israel, because if anything, you look at Israel, they actually are the other way around. So they have like, you know, the police go around there and it's almost like Australia. I mean, they, they got universal mask wearing. They've had it for a long time and their death, their deaths are pretty bad now. I mean, look, it's not like, you know, everything is exaggerated, but I'm just telling you, it almost looks like they're getting their first wave um what you know the northeast got in march they're getting now so if anything they almost look like they are having a pretty steep death per capita rate the last month or so and that that's as good of a compliance case study as you're going to get yeah i i I always say that i feel like there's an incredible amount of like mental and verbal gymnastics required to defend masks and it's always like well, here's 20 examples where it didn't work. Here's 20, like you say, here's an example where they've been wearing it and finding people and it, the rates have gone up. And then they're just like, yeah, but not enough people are wearing it. And you're like, but they're enforcing it with fines. And so they, they are wearing it and then they go, but it just decreases viral viral load. And you say, well, but their their death rate is going up and it's horrible, you know, horrible, but it is. And it's, it's not, it's not working. And then it's just, Mask work, just wear a damn mask. You know, that's that's where it always. What's the big to. deal? Just, this is the least you can do. Yeah. And and and, but you know, I mean, there's a lot there. Let's say I say, just put a sign on you that says "kick me." Well, I mean, it doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> I mean, but but also, I mean, it does. I mean, you know, it, the the panic that it sows in children to grow up. I mean, you know, I have an infant that whenever you're in a store, she can't see people's faces. Um, my wife's smiling at her, and it's very it's very dis disturbing to her you know it's a it's very distressing you know people don't appreciate that um and you know you you look at someone who's two three four years old now to grow up like that really never having seen normal humanity and you know my niece who's eight years old goes to this private school where they wear a mask all day um the doctor just said the pediatrician my sister told me she got impetigo really like nasty looking um staph infection rash on her face and the pediatrician said she's getting that all the time now they're coming in with that so you know we have not studied what the long-term effects are of putting this on kids that tend to be dirtier and you know spreading bacteria and 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 look you know ian the cruel irony is this this damn thing can't even stop bacteria it can't even it, in itself attracts more bacteria which is 30 times the freaking size of the virus yeah yeah exactly uh, and people like to point to hospitals and there's been a lot of studies showing like oh well, well you know doctors are wearing them so they must be useful and uh, doctors wearing them are supposed to stop bacteria and there's been a lot of studies that it doesn't stop bacteria in hospitals so people are actually trained to use them properly and dispose of they them don't. every, every I, time they i, I was shocked the, yeah. the the best the single best thorough study ever done on this and it was pure academic there was no dog in the fight it was a, lot, it was a couple of years ago studied surgery and they actually found an inverse relationship worse outcomes with the mask wearing again not to say it caused them more but they certainly didn't find uh better outcomes you know it, it's intuitive we kind of done, have done it but you know science will sometimes surprise you and, and and with that said there's other aspects because there are there are um tangible visible things too it's just you know just they don't want um you know the notion that atomized or bacteria and certainly virus things that's going to stop is, is probably BS, but you know, there are droplets of things and you don't want to fall on the patient or you don't want them to spray blood on you. And, you know, with the dentist there with his, uh, you know, when the plaque and the tartar go flying. So, I mean, that, that's not microbiology. That's, you see it. I mean, so that of course, you know, it makes sense to cover your face. I mean, that, that's not what we're talking about, but, um, yeah, I mean, the notion that this could stop viruses, even in a clinical setting is, truth be told unproven so um any yeah, any, any closing thoughts 
No, I mean, we, we touched on, on basically everything. I, I, I think a lot of people have complied with this because like you said at the beginning, they, they think it's temporary. They've been, they thought, well, yes. I'll, you know, I'll do my part to help people for a couple months here or there. And they weren't being told that, no, this can't end. This is not going to end. We'll never you know, end. Maricopa County and Phoenix, they, they literally just came out and put it on the blog saying, we're going to require masks until there are 28 days with no cases or a vaccine with 40%, uh, you know, use by the community. And I mean, how, how is that going to happen? We've never seen zero cases in the United States anywhere. We're doing too many tests. You know, just the operational false positive rate means you're not going to see zero cases in an area that's <laughs> 5 million people like Phoenix is. Um, and, you know, how, how do you know when 40% of, the, the, of 5 million people in Phoenix have taken a vaccine? How long is that going to take? How many years? How many years do you even get a vaccine? So it's, wow. it's just, it's a... You know, it, it's a real problem, I and mean, I think people kind of were, were gotten into it under false pretenses and didn't realize that their local officials were going to make this the single most important public health tool, and we're going to credit it for all success and never blame it for any failures. Um, and, and that's the <laughs> it's, a, it's a real problem, and you know, it's I don't know how we get around it. I don't know if other than people just not complying anymore, yep. but that's uh yeah it's a real problem and like you say credit to tate reeves in mississippi for actually being one of the first ones to pull it back and credit to desantis for you know doing all the research and finding all this information himself and saying we're not gonna we're not gonna punish people for this so um hopefully hopefully it starts to spread that hopefully that attitude starts to spread but it's at least in california it's that's never happening your own lungs freedom to breathe free air humanity it's worth fighting for. I mean, this is dehumanizing. Yeah. There's a reason for it. It makes us all chattel. I mean, heck, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you've studied this. Do they even have this in North Korea? I I don't know. I have <laughs> I have not looked at that. I, I should look. That's a, that's a good. Uh, a really I mean, good this question. is this oh, is bad. This is really bad. Yeah. And I think we're just too desensitized yeah. to it. So keep up the great work. Rationalground.com is the website. The Twitter is Ian MSC on Twitter. If you're not following him, you do not know what is going on. Folks, we are way out of time. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. Listening.